It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this winning edition on a Monday of Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we recap the Falcons' victory over the Seahawks. It wasn't just coincidence, and Dion is not the guy for Georgia Tech. All that, Hitting Hard next, Hitting Hard with John Chuck, we're Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. So, yesterday was exactly what the Falcons did. And it's funny. Because we talked about the idea of, of this was must win, not because of staying in the division or competitive or whatever. It's the it's it's your players and your coach needed to win. The fan base needed to win. This was a very winnable game yesterday. And it's funny, I went back and I listened to my preview of the game on Friday. I think we hit it pretty well. You know, nothing fan. I said on I do a, a Falcons kind of pre-pre radio show, pre-game radio show for the Atlanta Falcons. And I said on that show that if you told me Marcus Mariota would only throw 20 passes, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Well, guess what he ended up throwing? 20 passes. I thought it was look, how many times have we talked about it? run the football effectively, control the line of scrimmage. You will be in with a chance to win every game. Then you need your quarterback or somebody to make a play, right? Well, yesterday, I thought your quarterback made a play. I thought your defense, especially defense, made some plays yesterday. So, look, let's let's look back. All right, a couple of things. One is they ran the football outstanding yesterday. 31 carries, 179 yards, 5.8 yards per rush. Patterson with 17 for 141, 8.3 yards per attempt. So we've talked about, give me at least four yards per attempt, right? Outstanding numbers yesterday. And by the way, don't look now. Cordero Patterson is the second leading rusher in the NFL. Guess who's number one? The guy they're going to see on Sunday in Nick Chubb. So the team that has the two best, the, the best running back duo in all of the NFL, they're coming, coming in here. So Patterson was outstanding. Now, we're going to talk in the next segment about the Kyle Pitts thing because if y'all think that that was just coincidence that it happened like that, I'll let you know how history has repeated itself. But look, they went early and often to Kyle Pitts, knowing that this is our best offensive player. Let's find a way to give him the football. Now, I'm still waiting for that touchdown, right? We're now at one touchdown in 20 games, but that's okay. Drake London got in the end zone. And while their defense sputtered and stammered and they couldn't get a consistent pass rush, and I think that that is a concern. And let's face it, another concern is we talked about the idea of this pass defense has had its struggles, right? I did think A.J. Terrell played well yesterday. I thought he made some plays and pass defended. Casey Hayward, eh, you know, but Richie Grant comes up with the big interception. And they did get a couple of sacks late. Carter with a big sack. And that play by Grady showed you why he's a terrific and obviously – it was so important to re-sign him and bring him back. So the defense, when they needed them late, stepped up and made plays. Now, still got room for improvement, 
You still got to find some stops and you still got to stop the pass because Geno Smith still had a big day threw for over 300 yards. And here's the other thing. They go after their top two targets in Lockett Metcalf. They had 14 catches on 23 targets. So they're going to throw it to their guys no matter what. And I thought A.J. Terrell responded. Hayward could play a little bit better. But to see Richie Grant and the efforts that he has made, here's how good Richie Grant is becoming. Eric Harris didn't play a single snap on defense yesterday. Not a single snap. He played all special teams yesterday. Thank you, Lord above, right? Now, look, I'm not so concerned about Casey Hayward, but he's got to play better. Because here's the thing. Casey Hayward is a definite upgrade over, ready? Let's all say it together, Fabian Moreau, okay? And not playing these vagabonds that they've had is making it different. Without Means and without Fowler and without some of these guys, you see, they made a play yesterday defensively. Carter made a sack when they needed it. When their defense needed to step up late in that game, they made plays. Sack the quarterback, create a turnover. And we talked about this specifically last week. That's the one thing that the Falcons are doing. They're finding a way to get home to the quarterback, and they're finding some turnovers. And that was the big thing yesterday at the end of that game. So this was a terrific win all the way around. And again, one and two, we're not talking about divisions. We're not talking about playoffs and things like that. But there is an excitement, at least from the fan base, coming back home. I don't know what it's going to mean when we play Cleveland on Sunday. You know, we may beat them. We may get rolled by three touchdowns in, in the game. But I know we feel better about the fact that we got a victory coming back after being on the road for 10 days. That team felt better. The plane ride was better. Arthur Smith was a happy camper. There's really not a whole lot of things to get too negative about in this game. Algier did some good things. He only had six carries, but he picked up 25 yards. So he was over four yards per attempt. You know, the interception by Mariota didn't mean anything. It was the end of the half. And even Arthur Smith said, we got a little too cute at the end of the half. And it let it in. Okay, fine. The fumble play, right? Go watch that. And, and I'll bet you that they'll talk about the fact that Tyler Algier is really kind of more at fault on that fumble play than Marcus Mariota. I know the optics of it don't lend to that was a good thing. But you were able to rely on your defense after that and they made the plays and they made the stops when they had to obviously the offensive line did a magnificent job yesterday in the run game when you look at the fact that they averaged 5.8 yards per rushing attempt and it's not like marcus mariota did anything marcus mariota had seven carries for four yards because he took three sacks so it's not like marcus mariota went for 100 yards on the ground and that's why your running game was so good you had algier patterson even a carry from Avery Williams that picked up nine yards. So your running backs did their job yesterday. And that yesterday was the blueprint for what the Falcons need to be moving forward. Control the line of scrimmage. Be good on your offensive line. What do we say before the season? If your offensive line plays well this year, and that was even without Elijah Wilkinson. And yeah, look, Gossett had a penalty. And this, okay, but they weren't, he didn't kill you. And they played well on their offensive line, and they ran the football effect. Control the offensive line, run the football effectively, don't make dumb plays and many turnovers, 
and just get a play or two out of Mariota. They got all of that. That's their formula. If you want the blueprint for how the Falcons need to play moving forward, yesterday was it. Now, understand, I get the competition level is going to amp up. The next four games are no joke. This next, you know, four-game stretch with the Browns and the 49ers and all this, it's not going to be an easy stretch for the Falcons. There's no real easy stretch on the Falcons' schedule. But you see what the blueprint is. Power run game, lead with that, not ask the quarterback to have to. Look, look at Mariota's attempts. This is a big factor about the shift in this offense, 33 to 26 to 20. That's not coincidence either. You, it, we talked about it. With Matt Ryan gone, you're going to go to a pun run, power running game first and foremost. And you notice that it goes from 33 to 26 to 20 as far as Mariota's attempts. And I brought this up specifically on this show, on my radio show, talking about the idea. You take the ball out of his hands and you don't have him throw it around. You have him be efficient when he throws. And if you look, he was over 11 yards per attempt yesterday, which led the league. That's what you want. We talked about Seattle's defense gives up big chunks of yard, right? We talked about that they are the fourth highest yards per attempt. Those are the, When I look at a quarterback's numbers, I look at three things from a quarterback, and I've learned this from listening to Bill Parcells and Don Coriel. The three things I look at for quarterbacks, tell me what your completion percentage is, what is your yards per attempt, and what is your touchdown to interception ratio. That's the three things I focus. I don't care about your yards. I don't care about how many completions. I want to see what's your percentage, what's your yards per attempt. Your yards per attempt is going to tell me about, are we pushing the ball down the field? And they made a lot of big chunk plays yesterday. So thrilled for what the Falcons did. Now let's build off that. It's going to be tough sledding coming up this weekend with the Browns. We'll obviously talk more about that as we roll on through the week. Let me talk about my friends, though, over at BetOnline. Listen, BetOnline.net. Look, baseball season is literally only about a week and a half away from being in the postseason. The NFL, we are neck deep in it now, man. We are almost a quarter of the way through the season in the NFL. College football, if you can believe it, is already a third of the way through the season. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be halfway through college football season. you got so many different options right now. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. E-scores, betting, podcasts, news and information, stats, everything is right there on your mobile device. When you take that mobile device and head to betonline.net, all the information that you need to be smarter when it comes to your sports wagering and your sports betting out there. BetOnline.net, BetOnline.net is where the action starts. Uh, You know, I love when coaches have rabbit ears and are petty, okay? Let me make sure I'm crystal clear on this. If anybody, anybody thinks that that was just random happenstance, luck of the draw, coincidence, nothing to see here about targeting Kyle Pitts immediately coming out of that into that game yesterday, right? Three of the first whatever, six plays or something like that, or five plays went to Kyle Pitts. They come out of the game yesterday. They come in that game yesterday. First offensive play, huck it downfield to Pitts. Two of the first three plays yesterday in that game throws to Pitts. Now, we let, let's go back in time, okay? Let's remind you of something in time. Falcons fans will remember this. 
Let's go back to the year 2015. Falcons, Roddy White, Julio, right? One of the more dynamic duos in the league, right? Well, Roddy was going through his final season with the Falcons where he wasn't getting many targets. And so the Falcons played the Arizona Cardinals heading into the bye week. And Roddy ended up with two targets in that game. And it only had about six targets or something like that for the three weeks prior total, about two per game. And they went in the bye week. And this was Dan Quinn's first year with Kyle Shanahan as the offense coordinator. And people were fussing and complaining. Why do we have Roddy if we're not targeting him? We have this dynamic duo. Julio's getting a bunch of targets, but Roddy's one of our best wide receivers, one of the best in the history of the franchise. We're not targeting him. And what's funny is, by the way, too, go read Roddy's comments after he left the Falcons. He blames Kyle Shanahan for why he was no longer Falcon in 2016. So that aside, so the Falcons beat, go or take on the Cardinals, go into the bye, and they come out, and the next week after the bye, they play the Indianapolis Colts in in Atlanta. Colts come to Atlanta and play the and they and they play. Matt Hasselbeck, the quarterback, and all that. Go look at the play-by-play. The first three offensive plays that the Falcons ran that game were passes to Roddy White. And of the first seven offensive plays, forget the punt, or I should say the field goal. They kicked the field goal on their first offensive series. The first seven offensive plays that they ran, separate from the field goal itself. Four were throws to Roddy. Matt's first four passes that he threw in that game against the Colts were to Roddy White by design. Not coincidence, not happenstance. Yesterday was the same thing. Pitts ended up with eight targets in that game yesterday. His single game high for his career between last year and year, 10. So he just about set his career high. But if you think that it was luck, coincidence, happenstance, oh, the, the game hogwash. Hog wash. That was a concerted effort to tell people, we're going to go after Kyle Pitts. They heard. They understand. You know, I'm glad Arthur Smith decided to play fantasy football. Because what they end up doing? Run, run right down and get a score, right? I mean, that's... Look, there's no mystery about this. And, and look, think about if Mariota hits that first pass because he was open. Just... Through two, I mean, though very good pass. It was an accurate pass. One like Pitts wasn't open. You could have had a imagine, imagine a huge bomb on the first play of the game that would have led to a touchdown. That was a concerted effort. Your coach can spin whatever narrative that he wants about, oh, I'm not listening. I'm not doing this. I'm not that. That was the game plan. Sure, it was, coach. Things like that don't just happen in a vacuum in the NFL. They are a power run team first. They want to establish the run first. And the first thing you do, huck it downfield to Kyle Pitts on play number one. Okay. And two of your first three plays, because now you're second and 10, right? You have to run the football on second and 10. There's a stat that says, like, if you incomplete a pass on first down, it's like 88% of the time in the NFL, you run it on second down. And then on third down, we go back and target pits. That was all by design. You can call it the shut up factor. You can describe it however you want. But that wasn't just some fluky thing out of nowhere. And it's just the way the game played out or whatever like that. No, the first play of the game was a design throw to Kyle Pitts. 
That was the read. Drop back, let him run it, huck it downfield. Now, he didn't hit it, but the fact that they came right out of the gate and targeted Pitts was 2015 all over again. It was Roddy White, Kyle Shanahan, Dan Quinn all over again. And that's fine. If that's what it took to pick them off, to, to get a burr under their saddle, whatever term you want. But anybody who thinks otherwise, you're crazy. You're crazy. And Arthur Smith has had to address this. And Arthur Smith's had to address the targets. And it's been the chatter all week long. And I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care what the reasons are. I know this. We can't have a discussion about your red zone offense becoming more efficient if the if it doesn't include how do we get the ball to Kyle Pitts. You don't draft a guy fourth overall to be decoys, other block. You don't, if that's what you drafted a guy number four for, you all should be fired. Your GM and everybody should be fired at that point. You draft a guy at number four to be the ultimate game changer. When he had a thousand yards, I don't care about a thousand yard season. That means nothing. In the scheme of things, that means nothing. You have to get in the football. And you have to get at the football in the red zone. So that was fully by design. Your quarterback got the message. He talked about it after the game. Well, teams are trying to take him away. They're taking him away every week. They've been taking him away for the last 20 weeks. That's nothing new. He didn't come up and surprise anybody because he's the fourth overall draft pick. Nobody's surprised. Oh, Kyle Pitts can catch the football. Yeah, everybody knows this. That's why they drafted him fourth. So every DC didn't figure it out until the first couple of weeks of the season that he's the guy to take away. Come on. This will be fun this week. Look, eight targets. What did he have? Pitts for the day. Eight targets, five catches, 87 yards. Average 17.4 yards per reception. Those are outstanding numbers. And I'm fine with all that. You want to give him eight targets. You want to get London 10 targets. Whatever. Now, they have to increase the targets to him in the red zone. That they have to get better. And you have to find him some touchdowns. At, at some point, you know, he's got one touchdown now in 20 games. Okay? That number's got to improve. Okay? We, we can spin all the narratives and have fun with this, you know, and have a good time talking about it. But at some point, you can't have the number four overall pick telling me that he's only got one touchdown in 20 games, and that's just kind of what life is. Oh, they double them. This they double everybody in the league. The whole league is that's why there's that's why everybody plays nickel and dime packages in defensive backfields. They don't do it to stop the running backs coming out of the backfield. They don't do it to stop the to bring a safety up like he's Mark Barron and come up and stop the run or Roy Williams in the old days. They they play nickel and dime packages to cover all the guys out there and be able to double team the top tier pass catchers. Ain't nothing unique or new about all this in, in NFL, but. That was an effort of everybody, Mariota, your coach, Pitts, everybody saying, we got to get the football in his hands. I love it. I love the pettiness of it. And I say, do it again this week against the Cleveland Browns. All right, I want to talk about my friends over at Coffee AM. Listen, you know how much I love these folks. Coffee AM is the best small batch coffee roaster in America, right here in the state of Georgia, up in the Canton area. 
Go online today, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. You need coffees. They got your K-cups, organic, flavored. Everything that you need in the coffee world is there. You want tea? They got that as well. You need a little gift set, right? We're headed to fall. Maybe you got a fall festival. You need a gift set for somebody for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but it's all right there, coffeeam.com. So coffeeam.com backslash locked on. When you get there, go through their menu, put together that first order, okay? Load up on that first order because here's why. Load up on that first order. Anything you put together on that first order, when you get to checkout, put the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, L O C K E D O N. Put that promo code in at checkout and you will get 15% off that first order simply by using the promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, at checkout. Coffeeam.com. They are the best small batch coffee and roaster in America, right here in the state of Georgia, up in Canton. Check them out today. So we're going to get word later on today from Georgia Tech that they're going to fire head coach Jeff Collins, and most likely they're going to move on from Todd Stansbury as well. Now, we talked about this last week, that I told you that the Central Florida game would be the sweet game in all of it. So as far as the game goes, they put up a whole bunch of yards and didn't score any points. And that game was fairly close. I mean, I, I know what the score says but that game was 16-10 for quite a while but it never felt like tech was going to win that game and i think they had 450 yards of offense but they scored 10 points so we got word and ken segura my buddy who uh covers georgia tech for the uh, atlanta journal constitution he put out the article they're going to fire jeff comp we, we got word that there was going to be a meeting on monday afternoon but then we got word that they're going to fire jeff comp and they're going to do his buyout so his buyout if you fire him this year is He's got a fully guaranteed remainder of his contract, $10.5 million. If they waited till next year, it'd be $2.3 or $2.4 million, whatever it is. I said last week, if you go back and watch the video, that I thought the Central Florida game was the swing game. If they beat Central Florida, they're going to go lose at Pitt this week. I don't care who the head coach is, okay? They can bring up the ghost of Bobby Dodd this week. They're going up to Pitt and losing. And I thought at that point, one in four, he would. I didn't think he'd survive one in four. I thought they'd wait a week on all of this before they fire him. But they're going to fire him here after this one and three start. That Central Florida game was the swing game. So we got all that right, and we, we told you about all of that. Here's the thing. Now now we're getting talked about who, and listen, they fire Stansberry and Jeff Collins. You know that they're feeling some desperation from crunch right now over on the flats. So one of the names that's being bandied about out there is Deion Sanders for the Georgia Tech job. Okay. I get that. I understand. Come back to the land all this. Okay. Let, let me tell you, Deion Sanders is not the guy to fix Georgia Tech. I understand you hired Deion Sanders, you win the press conference, no doubt about it. You know, if, if you bring Deion in and he sits up there at that podium and, you know, you get the press, he's going to win the press conference, right? There's an old saying in wrestling, you know, this guy looks great. He's got the physical look. He's got everything you could want and this, that, and the other. And then the bell rang. And that's where it all falls apart. Dion's going to win the press conference, look good and all this kind of stuff. And then you have to get into the football aspect of it. And I know this is going to sound like I'm knocking Deion Sanders, but let's be honest. Tech is a unique job in college football. It's a tough job. It's a unique job. And Tech right now has a myriad of problems. They need more than just a glamour hire and head coach. They need a head coach who can fix things for their program. Now, 
here's the other thing that I'm laughing at. Oh, you see how good you had it under Paul Johnson and this and the other. Okay, there's a lot of revisionist history going on about Paul Johnson. Go look at the final four years. So when Paul Johnson was starting his eighth season at Georgia Tech, that's the start of his final four years at Tech. Go look at his final four years at Georgia Tech. And I understand all the things that Paul Johnson did for the program, right? I, I, I get all of that. You know, the Orange Bowls and this, that, and the other. But if you go and look at the last four years of what Georgia Tech was under Paul Johnson, wasn't all that good. You know, Paul's last four years, his final year was seven and six. They were five and six the year before that. They had the nine-win season and won the Tax Slayer Bowl in 16. And then the year before that, they were the preseason number 16 team coming off that Orange Bowl victory. Preseason 16 coming off the Orange Bowl victory, and they were three and nine. So his final four years, he went three and nine, nine and four, six and uh, five and six, seven and six. So it was a 500 coach. Wasn't like anything great was happening under Paul Johnson his last four years. And that was, again, his eighth season, the start of his eighth season. So it's not like he was only there for a year or two and rebuilt. No, he'd established the program at that point. They're coming off an Orange Bowl victory. And they went three and nine. So things weren't great under Paul Johnson. And I understand Collins kind of inherited a mess, had to change off and run off. Look, with all due respect to Dion, you get into this game. Now you're in eight and you got recruiting, and you got, I mean, it's a different level. Right now, the first thing Tech needs to do, they in Nebraska need to sit down and say, what went wrong? They need to sit down with everybody and say, what went wrong with Jeff Collins? Why was Jeff Collins not successful? They have to do some inner soul work. Because just simply hiring a glamour coach for the namesake or whatever like that doesn't fix your football. They have to recruit better, they have to coach on game day better, and they have to develop players better. And I understand Deion Jones, Deion Sanders, excuse me, is doing a nice job at, at Jackson State. This is a huge step up for a guy who's coached what? What's Deion coach? 21 games? And it's fun to say, well, we've never got to five. Okay. You have some different challenges and different things that go on there. I'm not going to use the academics as an excuse though, because when George O'Leary was there, there was no issues about recruiting. Even Chan Daly brought uh, Calvin Johnson in the program. So when Tech needed to go get NFL players, they could go get NFL players. You have to find the right ones and stuff. But again, I don't think Dion, given where this program is in a situation where you need a strong football mind, you need a strong football coach, a really good recruiter, and somebody who can stay with the program for a long time. Because I don't think you bring Deion Sanders in. I don't think he stays long term. I don't, I don't think you're going to bring in a guy that can stay. I think Jeff Thomas is going to figure some things out so he stays there for a while. And again, I know you think I'm knocking Deion. He's not. It's a different deal and a different role and a different job. And I don't know that Deion, Deion Sanders is ready for all those challenges, for all the challenges that Tech provides. But the first thing Tech has to do, though, is they have to sit down as a board or whatever and say what went wrong what went wrong with Jeff Collins what, what was the recruiting what, 
whatever it was, okay? And there's a myriad of different things. You know, start with the fact that you can't have a kid like your kid to transfer out of the program. Because while I understand it's the wild west of transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, that does not equip to move guys at that level and just put the next guy in place. So while I like Deion Sanders, I like what he's doing with this is not the time for Tech and Deion Sanders to come together. Deion continues to grow. That's great. Tech needs a lot more. They need to find somebody who can truly fix the football program. I don't know what that name is. I don't think there's an easy solution. But you better figure out what didn't go right with that program. I would thank you so much for making Hit Hard with John Sharper your first listen every day. Make my friends over at ACL Day One your second listen. Every day, Jarvis Davis reaches a piece of friends. They are talking about all things in the city of Atlanta. Free and available on our YouTube page at Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Of course, you can download us for free. All your favorite podcast platforms, including Odyssey and Spotify, leave us a five-star review. And, of course, we are now on Roku and Amazon Fire. So check us out on those platforms. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at Jenkins. We will be back with you tomorrow. This is Jenkins Marvel John Starfleet. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.